Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Each week we deliver to your ears pertinent points around the hotel investment landscape uh, and you find Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, joining me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, to pick out three topics for discussion that we've found of interest over the last week. Uh, if you like what you hear, then obviously tip along to hotelanalyst.co.uk, uh, where you can register for a trial subscription and find out some more. Now, we're going to start this week with a bit of a UK focus, looking at what we see to the shape of the recovery. Um, the UK is busy vaccinating all of us, and the UK government has launched its uh, week or so ago its roadmap to reopen the, the economy, followed today, much more excitingly for those of us in the UK, by the UK Chancellor standing up in the Houses of Parliament and telling us all quite how he's going to support that roadmap to reopening the economy fully. Um, so there's quite a lot to think about here. Uh, Andrew, do you think the Chancellor did a reasonable job today? Uh, not bad. I have to say my real excitement was over the roadmap, Chris, that they actually having a, a, a release. Um, and I, <laughs> um, the thing, uh, so when the pubs are opening again. <laughs> <laughs> precisely, precisely. Um, but I, I, I think what mattered with that, we had clear dates. So yeah. there's a possibility to plan. We've got clear dates. And I was actually, um, whilst the, the pace of it at the beginning is quite slow, it really mm. picks up and got and it's going to get um really really quick between sort of part three and then part four and part three is where in may the 17th we get an opening of um well, hospitality proper yeah. indoor yeah. hospitality not just hotels can reopen hotel. and start doing yeah, mainstream hotels. business now, it's confusing, really, because self-contained accommodation can open. So there's some, some, some wriggle room around the edges, I suspect, with this. Um, but they can open from the April the 12th. Um, but certainly May the 17th, we get this opening. They're still under some restrictions. But then 21st of June, um, everything goes um, so all social restrictions go. That that's what the government is is saying, which is um, spectacularly good news. I think, and uh, I think mm. the twenty first, it's the official start of the summer. Um, so it's a, a it's a true um, midsummer celebration. I think um, that we can have if this 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 route map is stuck to. And I I mean I'm increasingly confident we are going to stick to it. And it's and in a way I'd rather it was sort of slightly slower at the beginning beginning but to have that spectacular finish on the 21st I mean if you'd have said even a month ago we're going to get nightclubs open by the 21st of June um, I would you know ask you to recommend whatever it is you're drinking really um, <laughs> but, uh, because you know it just didn't seem possible but it, it it now as and is getting increasingly believable um, I listened in to a call uh, which is done every week um, uh, by THMC, that, that they had Kate Nichols, who's the CEO of UK Hospitality, on it. And um, Kate had, I mean, she's a great presenter, and she had a, uh, she had a, uh, a very vivid sort of image. She said, we've, we've had the black swan of um, COVID, 
and now we're heading into the great rhinoceros of, of debt <laughs> and uncertainty as we get into this recovery phase, which I think captures the spirit of it uh, very well uh, and it, 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 it very vividly. Um, and I think what, what um, the, the critical piece for the, for the industry is that we've got this certainty now about coming out, now a moment in time for the industry in terms of the opportunity that's going to present and the challenges that are going to present. Because I do think there's going to be a, a lot of very distressed businesses out there, a lot of uh, very challenged uh, balance sheets. And there's a chance of adjustment and change, the likes of which we haven't really seen. Certainly, probably in my career, um, writing about this, this is, in my view, offers bigger potential than we saw, say, in the early 1990s when there was a major reshuffling of the industry. Um, Starwood Hotels was born, Barry Sternlich went out and made his fortune. Now, I think we're going to go on and talk about um, the, the opportunity for bargains a bit later in this podcast, but I certainly think there's going to be very big change um, ahead and there's going to be significant uh, transactions and um, significant um, changes in how the industry is perceived. Um, and I, I think one of the good signs as we're talking about the, the UK budget is just how often hospitality was talked about by the Chancellor, the, the finance minister, the head of finance um, within the UK government. So uh, Rishi Sunak you know, referenced our industry on a number of times. And it's the, they're working out actually it's our industry that's going to get them out of the hole they're in, mm. uh, in terms of saving the potential, you know, um, queues are unemployed um, and they need to get our industry back up and running and I think broadly they didn't do a bad job of it. they ducked one or two issues I mean I think that the business rates is a mess but I have to say I don't blame him for for avoiding that one it, it's a it's a classic one it, it, it's rubbish but all the other suggestions that are there to re, re, replace even it look even rubbish. more rubbish yeah. Yeah. so, yeah. so it, it, it's very tricky I think um, but it does need to be looked at and I hope that the, the government actually actually addresses that um, down the track but this time around in terms of the you know he's he's given some short-term bungs to the sector um, um, in terms of the VAT cut in terms of the continuation of the business rates holiday um, um, the, the furlough still being in place so I mean the good news is that you know if you've got an operation which is just not going to be viable under sort of social uh, distancing conditions well hang on until the 21st of June now of course you know, I say that, and then you're building up more debt, and your 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 capital structure is coming under even more pain. But at least at that point, you know, when you open on the 21st of June, you you can open properly and you can trade profitably. Um, chances are there's going to be a little bit of a, a, a downtick in supply as you know, mm -hmm. a number of businesses will go bust. Um, but there's going to be a very sharp uptick with um in in terms of demand um and i think it's going to be a very strong and good summer for trading so that 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 you can pull through from that and that gives the opportunity to restructure those balance sheets and and have some sensible decision making about what what the nature of of those businesses is going to be going forward um so i think it's going to be very 
exciting time over the next six months plus and I think we've got a clear structured route out of this as clear and as structured as anybody could hope for in the current circumstances it's not going to be easy and it's going to be it's going to be very difficult and painful but I think we're going to have a better industry um, the other end of this in a year's time we're going to be looking back thinking yep the, you know th this this has been very challenging very difficult but those of us who you know those businesses that can survive are going to be um, looking better and stronger and, and in, in a very good position and I think the other thing to say about uh, some of the stuff he announced today was that he quite clearly signposted when things are coming to an end he quite clearly signposted when VAT is going to start ratcheting back up and it will go back to normal um, we've reported on on VAT cuts to support hospitality businesses in various jurisdictions around Europe in the past and unless you lay out that that kind of return back up to normal levels then you end up with industries that become reliant on the di on the temporary discount that they then argue must become a permanent discount so yeah yeah i know I, I think the thing that is coming down the track um which you know covid has somewhat put to one side is the whole brexit related labor issues which i think we're going to face the 700,000 or so uh, eu citizens that uh, have worked in 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 hospitality we simply don't know how many of those are around anymore how many have gone back um to the eu um and whether that you know they're still around to come back into hospitality and if they're not um, we're going to face a quite a challenging labor situation i think um, we're also seeing you know i think rightly we're seeing the, uh, the, the national living wage increased um, but I, I suspect that, it, that that won't be the challenge because i think people are going to have to start putting wages up even you know ahead of the national living wage um, and it's how it's and i think operators have to really think long and hard about how they're going to cope with some of these challenges i mean we, there's all going to be ongoing supply um of uh, food and drink issues as mm. well coming out of the whole brexit piece um i think operators need to remember that the the uk government hasn't started inspecting the uh, the output from europe yet um output from the eu yet um and once those investigations get going who knows you know whether they're going to be as prickly as um, <laughs> the the eu has been with 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 british stuff coming coming into the eu so um i think that's going to be a, um, a one to watch um so there are certainly some bumps along the way and there's no you know no um shying away from the challenge that's ahead but uh, um this is probably as as good a job as could be done now let's move on to the, have a look at the uh, the big online platforms they've all just recently announced their uh, their 2020 results and amongst you know those results which obviously were massively down on the previous year they've also been announcing their plans for the future and where they see things moving in the immediate uh, and and medium term uh, we've had the first results out from airbnb since they got listed um which you know well you know there's some things to be thinking about there and then there's also uh we've had news from booking from trip advisor from expedia expedia did very well because of their ver brands such as verbo which offered uh uh, listings uh, which are very popular through the uh, pandemic summer last year um, but uh, one or two things to pick out uh, from those results and from the comments that they made Airbnb 
Well, you know, this they they've had a whirlwind year. They were they were desperate for for cash just to survive early in 2020, but uh, they had a decent summer and they're now looking. They say to keep recruiting more hosts because hosts is where it's at. Um, amateur hosts and they say the large the large part of their business is is private individuals just renting out their homes and they just want more of that. Um, the other interesting thing that I saw from uh, what I poured over uh, was that TripAdvisor is now thinking about doing a subscription model, TripAdvisor Plus, where they're going to charge $99 a year for you to become a member, but they're going to offer you um, behind this sort of gated wall a series of discounts, including discounts at hotels. Um, and they seem to think that if they can get enough people to pay them $99 a year, then they'll find plenty of hoteliers who'd be quite happy to offer some sort of a discount behind that paywall uh, to their members. Uh, so it's been interesting kind of to look at these the big online platforms, Booking.com, Expedia, all wondering quite how they're going to carve out something new and different as travel comes back. The changing circumstances of um, these online players is quite interesting so Airbnb is or has been a perceived winner um, during Covid um, and has we've had this sort of soar away valuation um, which I think is more linked to the general stock market exuberance around any sort of tech growth stock than it is based on reality and I, I frankly just don't buy the growth story um, with an Airbnb. It's in a market which is a fraction of the size of the hotel market. Um, at best you might just say it's a third to a quarter of the size of the hotel market. I think that's pushing it frankly. Um, I think it's significantly smaller than that even. Um, and the best will in the world how you actually end up with the fantastic valuation Airbnb's got given that it's only playing in that market I just don't know um, I don't see how it gets into the hotel market in a convincing way and I don't see how the other potentially potential growth market it has is, is this experiences piece where you go and sign up for a cooking course or something and I'm just not convinced on the the roadmap route map um, to well, profitability. The problem, with, the problem with that is, of course, all the uh, Accor and all the big hotel groups have been moving into experiences as they've flailed around looking for opportunities in the last year as well. Yeah, and they've, they, yeah, and, and flail around is the right word. I think um, <laughs> I think it's only really accurate. That's um, um, look seriously at it and and not done very well with it actually. Um, um, and I don't, you know, I'm a big skeptic. If they make it work, great. I just think it's going to be hugely challenging. And you know, frankly, I'd rather you know were I to put my money in in its shares, I think I'd like to see it do you know have some sort of proven. Um, you know, demonstration that it can actually deliver on this. I just don't think it's there yet. You know, maybe they can. Mm. You know, but I think it's uh, um, it's astonishing that they've 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 got their uh, the valuation they have on the back of that. Um, so I think we've got Airbnb then um, in the hotel analyst reckoning here as a as a future loser. We're short. <laughs> 
uh, Airbnb. Um, We're also short booking holdings. Um, Now, uh, yeah, I am going to start backing. um, I I, I really like the analysis done by um, Richard Clark at Bernstein, somebody we've had speak at our um, hotel distribution event in the past. And he's unusual in being a bear on um, booking. He thinks that um, their best growth is behind them. I mean, quite astonishing estimates he's given in terms of the collapse of of the, the the growth rate, so you know if you look at a stock like um, sounds like we're turning into a stock tipping, <laughs> <isn't it, Chris? laughs> <laughs> but um, if you look at a stock like um, uh, um, Booking Holdings, you know it, it's all in its mm. growth because it doesn't pay any dividend. Um, so the only thing you'd hold its shares for are, are because you believe the capital value is going to be sh- is going to be shooting up. And it can only do that if it can deliver growth. So you know between 2010 and 2019, um, this is Richard Clark at Bernstein's number. Um, he said there's a 26% CAGR in in revenue. So annual revenue growth was 26%. But he reckons it's going to slump um, in the next decade to just 6%. Well, that's a hell of a drop. And um, um, you know what? Why on earth are you going to pay the premium um, that that Booking Holdings is currently on to to have a share in that? And how has it recovered right back up to to where it was pre-pandemic when we still see you know quite solid hotel stocks still languishing below where they were um, pre pre-COVID? Um, I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. So uh, again. Um, we're we're turning bearish on uh, well i on mean and i'd say having uh, having listened to their kind of quarterly uh, results calls over the last year you know they they, they kind of mm. they've been talking about coming up with a bright new idea but there's been no bright new idea delivered and um you know uh, that no no and, and, and to your point in terms of ideas um, and not delivering, so this push they've got into the whole connected trip thing. Well, Expedia's been doing that mm. for a while. Um, you know, the, the, not- that's the place you go to if you want your if you want your hotel and your flight together. But Expedia's now morphed, I think, much more into a service type mm. company. And I think that Marriott deal it has, where it's the the back end of. Um, uh, Marriott, is it Vacations by Marriott or Marriott Vacations, whichever it is, not the timeshare bit, but the bit where you book a Marriott resort and they'll sort out the flight for you at the same time. Well, that's all white labelled by Expedia and I think they do a good job with that and they, they can make a decent if not outstandingly high um, yeah. margin business um, doing then that It's, it's more about stuff. volume so than it is about you know, margin now on that stuff absolutely yeah. well yeah no i think the margins yeah, are tighter yeah. for them that's that's yeah. the reality it's a tougher time you know it, it, and what's interesting i think about this recession it's not a re- this recovery is not playing to the strengths of the otas because what you know what what's it about where's the where's the prediction of the big growth It's going to be domestic travel particularly upscale domestic travel and increasingly what we're seeing is um people booking mm. direct and this turns us to the surprise online player and I, I thought TripAdvisor were doomed I, I just couldn't think they were hanging around there I couldn't understand what they were or what they were trying to do come up with an idea <laughs> yeah that, that, exactly that they have um, and and actually where they're positioned now is actually where increasingly people are, are are using you know what they're using the web for so if you do a um, if you look at um, uh, Google search data. Um, increasingly, people are, are moving away from doing just straight pr- 
price comparison, which is really what what mm. booking is. You know, it's a pile them high, sell yeah. them cheap kind of operation. Um, not particularly pretty, but it, it delivers sort of thing. Um, it's the sort of old school Tesco, maybe the German discounters, <laughs> um, you know, the Lidl's, etc. Um, um, but but. You know, more, it's you know what consumers are caring about is is getting advice um, and help get, getting a guide through the great morass mm. that's out there. The, well, the sur- the surfeit of choice. Of those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and and a trip advisor is a is a great route through that. And of course, the other thing, the other thing that helps consumers in that are mm. brands. Um, and this is why Book Direct is coming back in. Um, and I have to say, I was wrong. Um, I was much more sceptical about Book Direct than I, and I've been proved wrong in terms of how how powerful that has been and how successful the hoteliers have been in, in sorting that out. I thought the OTAs had, had already had them, but that doesn't appear to be the case. And, you know, this is a great flip by, by the hoteliers, the big brand hotels, and their brands now can, you know, show the route back. So there's quite... There's it's an interesting um, switcheroo, I think, that's happened here. Um, and this this recovery is not, you know, previous recoveries has all been about the OTAs. They're the ones have come roaring back. And this is, you know, everybody has looked in the past and said, oh, this is what's going to happen to booking again. Well, I'm not so sure. And, you know, so I, I like the contrary position that Richard Clark of Bernstein has adopted. Um, and, you know, I'm, um, I, I think he's, he's, right on this and you know i'm a contrary as well on on airbnb i just don't understand it i don't i don't get how how it can um um you know be what it is currently list um rated at on the stock market the most important and most valuable um player in 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 accommodation it's nonsensical now let's take a look at the uh hotel groups that have got a, a good foothold in the european markets um, and I'm thinking particularly of Accor, Intercontinental, and then of course the Spaniards, NH and Amelia. They've all just recently renounced their their annual results. You know, they're all they're all big losses. They're all kind of been struggling along with lockdown markets. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, did you have any particular thoughts, takeaways from the comments that were made? I mean, I was quite excited by the as Accor was looking ahead to his lifestyle group which is uh, coming together nicely yeah i mean we've already talked about the yeah. lifestyle group and and how actually it's now moved effectively to london um which is an interesting one how that connects with Accor, I don't know. It seemed an odd thing to do, but maybe we'll we'll, we'll get some more insight to that um, over the coming months and years. Um, but certainly, a, th- a thing that struck me uh, that there's a divide really in in how you look at these these companies. Uh, on the one side, you've got the North Americans; on the other side, you've got the Europeans. Now, we can argue whether IHG is really North American or whether it's European. Well, and, <laughs> I think and, that can go Keith, either Keith way. Bar's actually. accent kind I mean, of goes either way as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, a bit of yeah. is there. Yes, there's the the, the yeah. mid Atlantic position really. Um, mm. But if we look at, so Accor is very firmly um, European, it's got um, 
uh, 46% of its uh, um, portfolio in Europe, far, far more than any of the others. I mean, I think Marriott's the weakest at eight, just 8%. Hilton's only got 9%. IHG um, has only got mm-hmm. 14% in Europe. Um, so that sort of gives you a flavour for where, where, where they, all, they all sit. Um, but uh, it depends on your, your view on Europe. Now, we're you know, we, we Europe bulls because we think the opportunity in accommodation is within Europe and it's the consolidation plays that are here in Europe. And I think the unprecedented opportunity we now have in front of us, um, thanks to COVID, to actually drive some of that consolidation. If it's ever going to happen, mm-hmm. it's going to happen now um, over the next few years. So um, and and Europe has that opportunity. It doesn't really exist in the US in the same way that it's already very consolidated, 70 percent plus in terms of the brand penetration depending on how you you measure this stuff um so in in the near term certainly i think the north americans are looking like the winners in terms of the that nug the net unit growth um so morgan stanley um put together some numbers um um for 2021 they had hilton as the winner at five percent at marriott's next at 3.3 and choice at 2.8 Accor was just 2.2 and the big booby prize went to IHG with <laughs> Yes, because they're, they're still having a clear out um, in the States with some of the rump of their Crown Plaza stuff, aren't they? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So that that, that yeah. isn't a good look for them, I don't think, um, um, given the you know the strength of their their, their North American mm. rivals really in that in that one. So, um, but you know they've been saying oh this position is as good you know this positions as well for the long term. But <laughs> they've been doing these clear outs. Yeah, for, no one cares about decades, the long term. So it's, it's, <laughs> what about next? What about well, next they year? They need to actually. <laughs> they, they need to yeah they need to finish yeah. sweeping out the cupboards I think shortly. Um, otherwise they're in trouble. But but also I mean you, we, we looked at. Um, at uh, Melia and um, NH, um, and I think there's some interesting things going on there. Um, NH is a bit more of an enigma, I think, in terms of it's a sort of hybrid between a city chain and a um, resort chain. Um, clearly, I think, you know, given its minor hotels um, parent, there is a tendency to, to lean it more towards uh, um, some of the resorts, but it's got a good exposure to, to the cities too. But Melia is much more of a resort orientated play and I think there's some opportunities there in this disconnect that we're seeing with the tour operators I mean this is a massive meltdown Um, you've just got you know two years is all over the show and there's an opportunity here for Melia and NH and other resort players uh, the privately held Spanish resort players in particular um, who can get out and actually get people booking direct to their their properties um, so I think that's an that that's a very interesting if, if that that can if they can be disintermediated if if the if they can kick out the tour operators I think there's a fantastic opportunity there for these resort hoteliers so that that that's certainly one to watch so in in summary then you've got this are you most excited about the um, net unit growth which is coming up in the next year or so or are you most excited about the potential opportunity in Europe that's um, and it's not to say that I mean I would have you know I think Hilton are quite well positioned to also see some of those opportunities in Europe Marriott has historically been something of a laggard although it's done quite well on the M&A front with AC hotels and maybe you can pull something out of the bag with M&A but 
let's see. I think I think it's going to be it's going to be one to watch this this as as we go. This this balance between where where do you want to be um, and what's the key driver. And I think you know, Accor is better positioned outside of North America and China. It's the, it's the number one player out in, in in nearly all territories outside of China and North America. It's got that global footprint to really deliver on. Um, but the North Americans have that hugely solid domestic base to build off and you know they are had look to finally getting a grip in terms of the international growth piece as well so it, it it's um it, it's it's an open period i think for you know where we're going to go for the for the now next now let's few turn, years. turn to the five star and no star awards and andrew you're going to give five stars this week to rosewood Yes, so this is the, the late, latest uh, financing fashion, the special purpose acquisition company. That's just very much the, the thing uh, at the minute um, um, on the stock markets of New York and uh, NASDAQ. And this one is being used to um, reverse Rosewood's hotel interest um, into, um, which, which is a great you know, quick way for Rosewood to get exposure on a uh, on the stock market and raise significant funds. And um, uh, what is it? Is it four hundred yeah, million US the number, they're raising? Yeah. I yeah. think. Um, so it, it it's uh, it's a you know it, it's a significant amount, and uh, um, it's the high profile hotelier Sonia Cheng is the it heads up. Um, in Rosewood, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of her now, thanks to this cash and this, this, this profile. Um, the company will have. And your no-star award, I think we're we're going this week with uh, the the level of distress. Where are the bargains? Where are the vultures going to plant their their tons? We have been saying this for some time that the weight of money waiting in the wings means that they're ain't going to be the number of bargains and a data point came out from Prequin the company that monitors private equity and they reckon there's 300 billion sitting there waiting to get deployed in distressed uh, real estate of which a big chunk is targeting the the hotel sector as hotels along with retail are the two um, highlighted um, sectors really um, for distress I think what this means, though, that weight of money is, is it's just going to push up the prices, and uh, um, and anybody who's who's a forced seller is just gets you know will will create an auction situation and uh, should be able to make a, a dignified. And I guess exit we've already seen that with private equity players heading across to Croatia and going into the Nordics looking for pastures new. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, well, I know totally. I think it is those more creative and innovative deals which um, you're going to have to look to if if you want to. This is not the early 1990s from the point of view. Just going out there, you know, buying low and then in a few years' time sell it high. It's it's going to be a lot more complicated than that to to make some money during this. And on that happy cycle. note, we'll say goodbye for now. <laughs>